Good morning. I said, good morning. <laughs> no, I'm not faking. That's the way it is. <clears throat> but it is good to be with you today. And we celebrate mothers. Oh, praise God for you ladies that are moms. And the victorious jobs that you ladies do. And really the unsung heroes. And uh, we need to do this more often. It's a shame it's once a year. Yeah, that's how I feel about my mom and Deb's mom. We had wonderful moms. Good Christian ladies. And I celebrate that. But I'm glad you're here. I don't know what your background is as a mom. I don't know what uh, you've done in the past. That's, that's not important. It's irrelevant. If you've come to the cross of Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. We've all started over. We got a brand new start, and I praise God for that. After an elementary school teacher had taught about science and taught specifically about magnets, she gave a test to see if she was effective in her teaching to see what the class would do. And in that, <clears throat> she said, uh, what word begins with an M, six letters, and it picks up things. <clears throat> and over half the class said mother instead of magnet. Sherry Webster overheard her 18-month-old daughter. <clears throat> she was rehearsing what she had heard and had been taught about barn animals and uh, farm animals, and she said, sheep, bah. <clears throat> that wasn't a good bah, was it? <clears throat> she said, cow, moo. She said, doggy, woof, woof. Mama, no, no, no. <laughs> That's what they hear, isn't it? Well, a bulletin blooper. <clears throat> In the church Sunday bulletin, the preacher said, I'm going to give a flower to every single woman in the church. Now that has a double meaning, doesn't it? <laughs> to every single woman. Listen, what Deb has prepared outside for you after the service today are cookies and lemonade. That is for the ladies. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you're a mom or you were never in life, you could not have children. I like the way Doug worded it about uh, ladies, you help in our community, in our church family. Uh, you are a mom, a second mom, to nieces and nephews. And wow, what a blessing you are in people's lives. So that's who gets the lemonade. Uh, men, folk, and children don't sneak up to the table for a glass or a cookie. Now, ladies, we want you to stay. If you've had, if you wore a hat today, we want you to stay after your lemonade. We're going to go out, maybe if the wind's not blowing 30 miles an hour, go outside in the sunshine and get a group picture with everyone with their hats on. Uh, we really like that group picture. So please, <clears throat> please stay afterwards for that. A preacher had been away to a convention and he heard a preacher that was just a golden glove orator. Why, he, 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 could, he was smooth as silk in the pulpit. And the preacher told a story. I spent some of the best years of my life in the arms of another man's wife. And the congregation was a gasp. I can't. And then he said, my mother. Oh, the congregation relaxed. They felt so much better. And so <clears throat> the preacher visited the conference. He couldn't wait to get back home to his pulpit. 
and he was going to do that very same joke. And so he got there that next Sunday, and he said, I spent some of the best years of my life in the arms of another man's wife. He thought for a moment, and he couldn't remember the punchline. <clears throat> and he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she is. <clears throat> well, the convention speaker had it right. There is nothing like the years that we spent with our mothers. I appreciate so much my mom and Deb's mom, good Christian ladies. Coach Bear Bryant finished a TV commercial for the telephone company. At the end of the commercial, he threw in an unwritten ending. They were not expecting. He said, have you called your mama today? I sure wish I could call mine. Telephone company said unprecedented the amount of calls that went out that day because of what Coach Bryant said. When we hang up the phone, we say to people, we say, I love you, Mom. Call me if you need me. And then we say the words, take care. It's that take care that I want to talk about today. Moms, take care of yourself. I want you to turn over in the scriptures to 1 Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, there's going to be several texts here in 1 Timothy that I'll use today. We often say as we leave the house, if, when you were staying at home with mom, take care, mom. <clears throat> in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it reads, have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And that's why I want to talk about this first point. Moms, take care of yourselves because of this godliness idea. <clears throat> we aren't opposed to the gymnasium and working out and getting our figure back, getting our health back. We're in favor of that. But here in the Word of God, it says, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And therefore, I want us to look at these scriptures today through eternal lenses. Eternal lenses, not temporary lenses. Because if we're only living for the now, if we're only living for temporary things, why, well, we will go against this teaching every time. Because the world has a pull. The world has a draw on us. But when we put on eternal lenses and we see things the way God sees them and we read the Word and we apply the Word, then we look for moral fiber. We want to develop that if we don't have any. We look for Christian character. We want to develop that if we have been slack in it. We want to develop godliness. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16, it tells us that our bodies are the temple of the what? Uh-huh. The Holy Spirit. And so we must live godly lives. I'm talking to moms and dads and to singles this morning. We must live godly lives. 
And so we should take care of the temple where the Holy Spirit lives. But there's another way to take care of our bodies. In verse 7 it says in this text, Rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. Uh, This passage, we're not against people uh, exercising for weight loss. My goodness. We're not against people trying to get their shape back. But listen, the flesh should not take precedence over the spirit. The flesh must reign and have first priority. If your choice on Thursday evening would be to go to the gym to work out, or maybe Thursday night to attend that in-home Bible study, my, we are working on our godliness. And if you've already been in the Word of God that week, then you go to the gym, but you live godly at the gym. But we must develop godliness that is expected. Godliness is our number one priority. Godliness will be judged at the judgment day. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, it reads, We must all appear before the judgment seat of God so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Good or bad. And so develop this thing called godliness. It's not about how much weight you can press on a bar at the gym. It's not about how flexible you are in a yoga position. It's not how many miles you can ride on a bicycle. We each one must look at life through eternal lenses and see, are we growing in Christ? Are we living by the Word of God? And I know that we want to look our best, and I know that we want to feel our best, and exercise can help us do that. But there's a higher priority than our bodies, and it is our soul. And it is our spiritual walk with the Lord. It is how you're doing in the godliness department. What in the world were the ramifications when Jesus spoke in Matthew's gospel? When he said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? What does that mean? Look over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy, we're already in 1 Timothy 4. Let's flip back to chapter 2. And look at verses 9 and 10. Likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. My goodness, my friends, Uh, I like to think of it as how we dress in this life is how we will go at the judgment day of God. Some of the things that men and women wear that are ungodly clothing, you want to go face the God of heaven wearing that is something to think about. How we dress reflects our heart. So make sure that you are wearing modest clothes. It says in Ecclesiastes 1.8, the eye is not satisfied with seeing. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. The eye wants to see more and more. And so be careful how you dress. Watch out how you live 
ladies and gentlemen. Adorn yourself because one day we're going to meet the God of heaven. And we're going to answer to how we took care of our soul. We're going to answer as to how we took care of our spiritual life. We're going to answer how we took care of our inward adornment. In 1 Timothy 5, let's jump over to that chapter in this letter. He's talking to widows, widows in the church. In verses 3 through 7, let's pick up some words here for these godly ladies. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God. You know what that's saying? Say, don't send grandma down to the church to get help. You're the child. You're the grandchild. You take care of your grandparents. Don't let them embarrass themselves by doing without. Children and grandchildren, take care of your family. They are godly women. That's what it's saying. <clears throat> Look at verse 6, chapter 5. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. What's that mean? Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. What does that mean? But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What's that mean? That means if you go around telling people, I'm a Christian, and they happen to know very well that people in your family are lacking, they're doing without, they're suffering, and you won't go help them, <laughs> they know that you're a liar. They know you're not a Christian because, well, I think I am. I said I am. I feel like I am. If you're not taking care of your family, you're not a Christian. You're worse than an infidel. What's that? It's an unbeliever. But here in verse 6, it says, But she who is self-indulgent, self-indulgent, that is, she who follows after wanton pleasure, extravagantly, luxuriously, lives for pleasure and not lives for Christ. Self-indulgent. Hedonism. That's not a word we hear often. Hedonism is a school of thought that argues that pleasure and happiness are the primary reasons we're here in life. <clears throat> pleasure and happiness. That's the proper aim in a worldly philosophy. Ethical hedonism is the idea that all people have the right to live like they want to, tasting all the pleasures in life, that nothing is forbidden, nothing is wrong to them. Their moral compass is broke. It's amazing that while we try to live vogue and we try to live cosmopolitan, we're trying to decorate to make ourselves look alive, and the Bible says you're dead. You're dead when you live like that. <clears throat> Verse 14. 14 reads, So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households. And that's what we're celebrating today, is it not? Those that took care of us when we were little and could not take care of ourselves. Those that uh, changed our diapers, fed us, 
When we got sick, they gave us the medicine at the right time, the right appropriate medicines. They loved us. They took care of us. And that's what he's saying here in this text as well. <clears throat> in verse 14. So I would have the younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and listen to this, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. The adversary, those who are opposed, they are opposed to godly living. Those who disagree with the church about our standards that we find in the word of God. What we are doing that we will give. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, how will you live during the week? Not just this one hour. If what you do and wear and how you think and how you live during the week brings reproach upon the cross of Calvary, brings reproach upon the church, then you need to change your lifestyle. If people are talking bad about the church, then you need to change your lifestyle. We must clean up our attitude, our heart, our desires that we might glorify God. Glorify God. Mom, you need to hear your children say, the best way you can take care of me, Mom, is to take care of yourself so you can take care of me. Secondly today, take care of your heart. I'm going to turn over to Philippians. Won't you join me in your scriptures? <clears throat> in Philippians 4, I want to start with verse 4 through 7. This text has been read so many times in worship services. It's so joy-filled. <clears throat> for rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ladies, it's said in the text that it's through prayer that we give our, <clears throat> our request to God, but we give him our thanksgiving and our praise. In the 1700s, a minister knocked on the door of a family. And the family, the, the child came to the door and said, I'd like to speak to uh, the man of the house. Well, he's at work. Well, I need to speak to the lady of the house. Well, she's in prayer. Mom always prays from 10 o'clock, excuse me, from 9 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock an hour every day. And so the preacher waited 40 minutes for her to surface from her prayer closet. And then he knew why. When he saw and heard this woman speak, he knew why that she had a daughter that was a missionary and two sons that were preachers in the ministry. This lady's name was Susanna Wesley. She always took an hour a day, and God brought revival to England in the 1700s through her two sons that preached, John Wesley and Charles Wesley. Ladies, are you taking care of your heart through prayer? Do you take advantage of ladies' retreats that are offered at different congregations or offered at church camp? Do you go to ladies' meetings and support the work of the church? Do you go to seminars to build up your soul? Are you practicing hospitality in your home as a Christian would? Do you come to the Lord's table each Lord's Day to remember the Lord's sacrifice? Are you in Bible study? Are you in the house of the Lord? Do you practice benevolence? 
Do you help those who cannot help themselves? Do you uh, provide food for funerals? You know, we do meals for people that lose a loved one if, if they request one. Do you help in that effort? And you say, I don't have time. I forgot to tell you that Susanna Wesley had 19 children. Are you struggling with your three? Are you struggling with your four, your five, your six? 19 children. <clears throat> she didn't have television. She didn't have a podcast, radio. She wasn't in Facebook to push reading of the Bible and praying out of her life. No, she had 19 children. And I know what you're saying. If I had 19 kids, I'd seek an hour away from them as well. <clears throat> a 37-year-old mom with three children and pressed upon by daily needs wrote a hymn with the help of her pastor. Annie Hawks had three children and she felt pressured in life and she wrote this hymn called I Need Thee Every Hour. Most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. The third stanza reads, I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide, or life is in vain. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Our mothers, we love them. But moms, if you've not accepted Christ, give your life to Jesus Live by his scriptures and raise up your children to know this Jesus in a personal way. Not just go through the mechanics that are in Christianity. Mechanics, Christianity has mechanics. There's things that we practice that may seem mundane to others. But they're building a core, a core foundation. It's because we see through eternal lenses. We know that another day is coming and we need to be ready for it. Looking through temporary lenses, we will live in a temporary way. Thirdly today, take care of your home. Now, I'm not talking about running the vacuum cleaner and using a little bit of Windex or picking up laundry. I'd like for you to go into the Old Testament scriptures to Proverbs. Go to the Proverbs. In fact, go to the last chapter of Proverbs. <clears throat> in Proverbs 31... The woman who fears the Lord. Now, I'm only going to read select passages here. I'm not going to read the entire text. Verses 10 through 13 says, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax. In verse 15 it says, She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. 
Verse 20, she opens her hand to the poor. 25, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. That is, she smiles at the future. That's what that means. 27 and through 31, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Boy, beauty is as beauty does. We thank God for our moms. Listen, I don't read out of Psalm 31 to intimidate our ladies. I read Psalm 31 just to celebrate what many of you are already doing, how you give and give and give to your children over and over, and your schedule, there's no time for you. No time for you. She's a team player for sure. It's simply describing a home where mom is a God-fearing lady. Our culture has changed drastically. Mother's first priority is still the home. Mother's priority is her husband. That when these children are raised up and they are out of the house, mom still has a relationship with her husband. Gary Ezzo from California uh, wrote a book, him and his wife, about growing kids God's way. And uh, let me make you aware of something he said in the book that I believe is true. When the marriage begins to wane a little bit, <clears throat> the relationship begins to, well, collapse a little bit. It's natural that men and women, husbands and wives, would find pats on the back somewhere else than at home. If the wife is not tending to the needs of her husband, if the husband is not tending to the needs of the wife, it's that they will seek affection somewhere else. And that might be they both go to the children to seek for their affection. Things aren't real good between mom and dad. So both of them are pouring everything they have into the kids. And they are going here and there for the kids. You know, the kids don't need to go everywhere. They need a mom and dad at home that will love them. And that is what's going to bring your child security. They need that. And so we go to work. And we get people at work. We work, we work ourselves to death at work. And they pass on the back. And we work harder because we're getting our pats on the back at work. And so we come to church and we get pats on the back because we work hard in the kingdom. And I'm not against people working hard at their job or working hard at church. But I'm saying, work hard on your marriage and let your children see that mom and dad love each other. Let them see that and let them be secure. They don't need to do all that running around to every club and every ball game. It's good when we participate in things. But you raise your children up to show that you love your spouse, their mom, their dad, that you love Jesus Christ, and they will grow up 
well-rounded in life. And then you can also get your pats on the back by having an affair. How evil and how sick. To, to have an affair and go against the covenant, the oath you made to God Almighty when you got married to them. That you would betray their trust. You'd betray their love. That you would go and have an affair with someone who has absolutely no investment in you. But your spouse and your children have all the investment in you. Do not betray your family. What I'm describing is a godly life that you've heard of empty nest syndrome. You've lived a life cherishing your spouse that when the children are gone, you don't have to repair or rebuild your marriage. You've been nurturing it all along. Spouse, husband and wives, you are number one in each other's lives. Your children need to know they are second. If your children know that they are number one, then they know the home is broken. And they do not have security for the future because they don't know if mom and dad is going to make it. God bless you mothers, for you persevered through hardship, neglecting self, many of your own desires to take care of your children as a godly woman. There was a poem writer of years ago, Helen Steiner Rice. I love her poems, and I have one today I want to read to you, get ready to close. A mother's love. A mother's love is something that no one can explain. It is made of deep devotion, of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish, enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond believing when the world around condemns. And it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining, for it defiles all explanation. And it still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation. A, a many-splendored miracle man cannot understand. And another wondrous evidence of God's tender, guiding hand. <clears throat> this began in the Garden of Eden. We call that couple way back then, what are their names? Adam and Eve. Well, Eve means mother of all living. It was through this lady that all the nations would come. It was through Eve, mother of all living, we would all gain our life through her and because of her. Ever since the Garden of Eden, mankind, humankind, has tried to show God that he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he doesn't know what is best for the family. That we are in charge of our destiny. And that, I want you to pay attention, that man has messed up everything he ever touched. Man has messed up everything he's ever touched. But praise God, when we restore the home to a godly home, what can happen? What can happen? This Mother's Day, Moms, give your heart to Jesus and let him fix the mess that we've done to it.
God bless you. God bless our moms. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I rejoice in your will, your plan. Your way is perfect. And I pray, dear God, for our moms. Pray for our young moms to find direction from older moms. And it might be, dear God, that some here today did not have a godly mom. The, the home was always torn up. The, the, it was always in a, in a mess. And I'm not talking about what the coffee table looked like. I'm talking about what the heart and, and what the spirit of the home was. And if it was always arguing and fighting. But our young people might know what peace is and love. And treat each other fairly with a good example. I pray, dear God, for our moms. Father, they really are the unsung heroes of the home. And I believe, like that song said, a hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I pray, dear God, that husbands would take care of their wives so they can be a better mom. That children be respectful to their moms and love them not just on Mother's Day, not just when the mom has threatened them by taking something from them, but because out of love and respect for mom, may we uplift and uphold our mother. In Jesus' name, amen.